we are looking to Jesus. He's the one that we are focusing on. We're not here to impress anyone. We're here to hear from our Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has to speak to us. I'm going to read through the whole chapter again because I think it's good for us to to read this together. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made perfection for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. He never said that to the angels. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they, the world, all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? He's never said that to an angel. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Very, very incredible passage focusing on the sun. Last week we talked A and B points that God has spoken in these last days in his son. And that's reminiscent of a couple of passages in the Bible. In Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God. Hebrews starts his letter with God. John, in John 1, John begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word we know was Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews basically outlines his whole book in these first three verses. That's where 
if you look down through that, which we did last week, you can see the outline for the entire book of where he's going. And as you read through it in these next months, I encourage you to read it at least, if you can, once a week through the passage, the chapter at a time, and read through that. Not the whole book, but the chapter at a time. So that we can get this into our hearts, our thinking, so it's part of us. So that word, the word of Jesus Christ, becomes part of our hearts during these months that we'll be going through here. God has spoken in his son. And then there were seven statements that the writer of Hebrews, and by the way, who who wrote the book of Hebrews? Any conjecture there? No, I won't receive it because none of us know. (laughs) But there are seven statements that this writer makes about Jesus, and they're succinct to the point, and they are in basically outlined form whom he appointed heir to all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the true exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. What a list. Seven things there about Jesus pointing to that. Incredible outline. And then we get to our point today that he is much better than the angels. That's verses 4 to 14. He has inherited a more excellent name. Point number one. He is the begotten son. Very important point. He is the king, and he is the creator. With these three points, let's begin. When Jesus is referred to as the begotten son, what is the familiar verse that we say and know that speaks of Jesus being begotten? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe that that word begotten is very, very important. I've done it, you've done it, I'm sure, where we've quoted John 3.16 just, and for some reason or other, we have left out the word begotten. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you done that? I have. No, that word begotten is extremely important to our understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And of course, we always celebrate this at a special time of the year when we call it Christmas. Well, you know what? There was no Christmas. We just made it up. Well, yes, there was some angels that came and talked to some shepherds, and a few of those shepherds went to a certain spot that they knew about where lambs for 
the temple sacrifice were slain. And that is the manger that Jesus was born in. We've talked about that. It wasn't in a barn or a stall with animals, camels and donkeys and this kind of thing. I don't think so at all. It was in the Migdal Eater. Remember we talked about that at Christmas time? The tower where the sacrificed lambs were born and wrapped in wrapping cloths, swaddling clothes, because they were to be perfect without spot. And those lambs that were born were special in that special tower. And the prophets talk about that tower. And for years we haven't understood. We thought it was a manger. We thought it was a crowded in that in the back building, that is where Jesus was born. I don't think so anymore. I think there was a special place because the prophet Micah spoke of it and Micah spoke of this tower where Jesus, the Messiah, was to be born. Look it up. Let's practice it. We've got a few more months until Christmas. The begotten son. You might think, well, it talks about the first Adam and the second Adam, Paul does. The first Adam was not begotten. The first Adam was Adam and Eve, Adam. He wasn't begotten. How did he come into being? He was formed out of the dust of the earth. He was created, not born. So this begotten son is truly begotten of the Holy Spirit and of this virgin named Mary. He is the begotten one. God and man coming together. Very, very essential to Christian doctrine and understanding so that we have that instilled in us knowing that Jesus just isn't half man, half God. He is integrated together 100% man, 100% God and represents us as a man, as the Lamb before the Father and as God himself standing when Stephen is martyred. He's the begotten son. To which of the angels did he say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Psalm 27 is where this is taken from. We've already mentioned John 3.16. And then again he says, to what angel? I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me? No. In 1 Chronicles 17, 1-14. This passage is a very special passage. When David is coming to the end of his life, he realizes, and he needs to turn the kingdom over to one of his heirs, which was to be Solomon. And in that, he was thinking, well, he had just finished his own house. Must have been a very elaborate house that he had built, David had built for himself. And he says, I am going to build a house for the Lord so that he doesn't have to live in a tent. I'm not better than the Lord. But the Lord said to him that 
The prophet Nathan came to him and said, He shall build for me a house, and I will establish his throne forever, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my loving kindness away from him as it took it from him who was before you. That's God speaking to David about a son, not David himself. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. That was the prophecy that Nathan came to David and spoke to him saying that your son would build the temple. He didn't know what son he was talking about. Probably he thought about Solomon. In fact, that's the preparations that David began to make was to build a temple for the Lord. And Solomon went ahead with that plan. But that was not the plan of God. In fact, that temple was an incredible edifice apparently. But it was destroyed twice that we know of and rebuilt. And then it was destroyed a third time and it is no more. And there are plans for it right now to be rebuilt. Jewish rabbis are planning to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. We don't think that that was really God's plan at all. What his plan was that he, God, would build a house for the Son. And that Son is Jesus Christ. He's the one that will dwell. Where will he dwell? In what temple will Jesus dwell? Where does he dwell now? By his Spirit. In the church. In us. That is a promise of the church in what would happen. And there is no temple being built. I think that it may be built, but it's not going to be as a result from this prophecy. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Jesus is the firstborn, begotten Son of God. Worship him, all you gods, or as we've changed that or interpreted that, all you angels. Last week we talked about the fact that possibly one of the reasons why Hebrews started out this way in writing about angels was because there was a common false doctrine in the early church already where they were beginning to worship angels. And if an angel was to walk through the door or just appear right here, most of us would just start shaking and would be so overcome by their presence. But angels are not to be worshipped. They are not God. And there are religions today who are worshipping angels. And if not the angels, they're, they're worshipping saints. No. No, no. We are to worship the Lord alone. Jesus is the one who has led us to the Father. And we have become his children. But much more than just children, we are his house. 
We are his dwelling place. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus lives in you. Do you know that? Are you convinced of that? But I am so unclean. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. His presence sanctifies us. Even though we're not worthy. The temple was not worthy. Jesus Christ has made us pure. His dwelling place is in us. I graduated from Bible college, was raised in a Christian home. Katie also raised in a Christian home. And after we graduated, we were grappling with this. What does it mean to have the Spirit of God living in you? And we wondered what it meant. And some Pentecostal charismatic people shared with us and we thought, well, this is kind of weird, but let's listen. And when they began talking about the scriptures, about the Spirit of God coming into the church, we thought, yes, this is true. This is true, and we've rejected it all these years. We embraced that, and we discovered that he dwells in us. And as we look back over our Bible college education and understanding Where is the Spirit of God right now? Is he off here? When I prayed, I was praying to God. God, up there, not realizing God was here. Dwelling in me by the Holy Spirit. And it was simply by acknowledging that he is in my life that I began to walk in power and understanding of the word and understanding who Jesus really is, that he's dwelling in his temple already. And that's the promise that was coming to David. Praise the Lord. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. He is the king as well. Verses 8 and 9. The anointed one. Messiah or Messiah. You've heard that name in regards to Jesus. It simply means anointed one. But it means deeper than just being anointed. It means he is the acknowledged king. He is the one who has been appointed specially. That's who Jesus Christ is. Saul was anointed. David was anointed. Solomon was anointed. Many of the kings were anointed to be king. Set apart, and he is the anointed one, the king. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Jesus Christ is lifted up above all 
men. He's lifted up. He's anointed. God and his pleasure in his son who fulfilled all righteousness. We also are included as sons because of him. Talks of his righteous scepter. And I won't go into this in detail like I have before, but it is speaking of Aaron's rod. A scepter is a rod or a wand. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, still in England, there is a scepter that they have in the Parliament of England. And that represents the royalty, the authority of royalty there. So that is this statement here. But it is the righteous scepter. That's who Jesus is. And you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And he has inherited a more excellent name. And number three, he is the creator. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they also will be changed. Matthew 24 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We mentioned the earthquake this morning. It wasn't that much. But you know what? It's been fairly regular in the last several months that we get these jolts. And it's just a reminder that this earth is wearing out. Scripture says it. It's wearing out like an old garment. And though some of you wear jeans with holes in them, Uh, and think that's fashionable, well, maybe it's to offset the world is getting that way as well. And we've got a world that is in turmoil today. We're in a very, very vulnerable time in humanity. World War II was a world disaster. What we're about to face, I believe, is worse than that. We are coming to a place where people are boasting, well, we can just send our army or our air force in there and just knock them out. What I'm reading lately is President Trump doesn't know what he can do without causing global disaster. And you know, there is no savior. We know this is going to happen. And it is time for us as believers in Jesus Christ to know that there is one king, one anointed one. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's enough for us to know that he is the one who has regard for his righteous ones that know him. And alongside that is our heart to share what we know with those that we love, who we care for, those we're working for. We run into people all the time who 
we, we sit and talk with them and they're lovely people, but they don't know Jesus. And where are they going to spend eternity? Many of us have relatives that don't know Jesus and we're too shy or too respectful to say to them, well, you know, Dad, you need Jesus. Mom, Jesus loves you and wants to provide for you in eternity or your best friend that you grew up with in school, maybe even all the way from Yochen. It's time for us to begin to understand the times in which we're living. And I'm not trying to force you or trying to put any kind of a guilt trip on you, but I'm talking to myself as well. That we need to be sharing with as many people as we can. Letting the Holy Spirit lead us in the words, the passages, what we give them of a tract or of just opening up a conversation as we're sitting there with them for 10 hours on a, on a flight overseas somewhere that we need to share with people. Those are opportunities we have. And the Spirit of God will open up that opportunity for you. We don't have to force it. We don't have to sit there. How, what, what, what am I going to say? How, how, how am I going to start this conversation? Just care about them. And in that, of just sharing the gospel with them. It's as easy as that. It's not something that you have to go through the whole process and be able to learn how to share. The best way to do it is just try it. Getting to the place where you love Jesus so much and you understand the word so much that you will, in fact, break through that barrier and be able to just talk with people on a normal level. You know what? Many times is not. They will, you know, you're talking about something that I've been wondering about for a long time. It's happened to us. And you plant a seed, and along comes somebody else and plants another seed. And what do you know? That person then eventually becomes a believer. Do it for Jesus' name, for his kingdom, for his honor and glory. He's the creator, the eternal one. But you are the same, and your ears will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And he ends with, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for who? To render service for who? Who do these angels minister to? To those that will inherit eternal life. Did you know that you probably and every one of us in this room have experienced an angelic encounter and you didn't even know it. We were talking about this a, a few Wednesdays ago, talking about angelic 
encounters. I can think of a couple in my own life. Can you? I was just about killed in an accident. Something or someone pushed my head down and the chain that was flying through the air went right over top of my head. I could have been dead just like that. Minoru shared with us when he was a young boy in uh, high school, their dormitory was on fire. And somehow or other, he couldn't find a way to escape. And he jumped for a ladder, but you were short. But somehow you made it and got out of the fire. And the school was standing there watching him escape from that building. I bet you, it's not a bet. I bet, uh, no, it's not a bet. I I think that was an angelic encounter. We don't know. They're invisible to us. Unless God makes them visible to us. But we don't worship them. They're not the ones that we are, oh, thank you very much. No, please thank Jesus when you go back to the throne, okay? And thank him for sending you, his servant, to me. We're worshiping Jesus because his name is above all other names. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we, though we are very weak and changing, you are so strong and never changing. We thank you that we stand in a place being called the redeemed of the Lord. We thank you that all heaven is watching us and even angels are wondering, what is their salvation all about? We don't understand it. We thank you for this wonderful salvation that we have. Confidence in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who has forgiven all sin and made us his very own so that we become a dwelling place for him. Thank you for coming and living within us by your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.